set in a bowl valley in the foothills of the Himalayas, sits the city of Kathmandu. For centuries, it has been a spiritual centre for many cultures and beliefs, but is predominated by Buddhism and Hinduism. The importance of religion to the city is all around you as you walk through the narrow streets. Kathmandu has more World Heritage Sites than any other city in the world, and everywhere you look there are ancient temples, each with intricate artistic works, trickling fountains, and of course, to aid meditation, the hum of the famous Nepalese singing bowls. Up here, so close to the roof of the world, you could imagine that day-to-day -day life moves at a slower pace, a more serene outlook. But there is a drawback. The city has no public transport system, none whatsoever. The closest the city of temples gets is privately run microbuses. The narrow streets are always heavily congested and outside the meditation of the temples, the traffic crawls by just as slowly, but a lot more noisily. It can take hours to travel just a few kilometers at rush hour. The result is that people stick to their neighborhoods and business is conducted in local silos with little transit across Kathmandu. And the problem has been getting worse, not better. As the recent civil war meant that the Nepalese capital was the safest place in the country, so more people fled into its sanctuary. Projects to widen the roads have needed military protection as these necessitate damaging the temples and other holy sites. The surface space is taken, and one man is arguing that this leaves us with only one option. Hello and welcome to The Tunnelling Podcast. I'm Alex Conacher. And I'm Rian Owen. In this episode, we speak with a man born and raised in Kathmandu. Now living and working in Britain with his wife and two children, he dreams that one day he might convince the Nepalese government that an underground metro system is not only essential to solving Kathmandu's congestion, but can be an opportunity to revitalise the economy of this developing nation. He also hopes to bring the expertise he has found in the international industry to the assistance of his homeland, which has no experience of urban tunnelling. My name is Dr. Binod Amate. I currently work in an international consulting company called Arcadis. In my Profession-wise, I'm a geotechnical ground expert, but in addition to that, I have been working for development of underground metro rail system in Kathmandu since last almost eight, ten years. This advocacy has taken up much of Binod's free time for the last decade, seeking help, convincing officials. But the dream for a Kathmandu Valley Metro began at Cambridge in 2008. I was in University of Cambridge uh, doing research for London Underground. So at that time, we got small work for Bone Street, Baker Street, Jubilee Line uh, monitoring. At that time, there was some problem in that route. And during that time, I got an opportunity to go through London Underground tunnels, coming in midnight, going through the tunnels. That's inspired me to think about underground metro system in Kathmandu. 
you know, I was born and raised in Kathmandu. I almost like spend my 25, 27 years of my, you know, birth <laughs> that years I spent there. I did my undergraduate degree in Nepal. But after that, I went abroad for further studies and I'm working abroad. It was this work and the introduction to the London Underground that inspired Beanod. And since then, I start writing about these uh, possibilities in, in, in the national medias, you know, writing articles in the uh, national tabloids, um, talking about this with the engineering forums. And that sort of thing has happened, has been happening in the last eight, you know, eight, ten years. Supported by his family, who also believe in his work. They are very supportive. They, without their support, you know, uh, it is it is simply impossible, right? Sometimes I have I have to do work constantly. <laughs> it's sometimes difficult. But with this encouragement from his wife and children, Beanod started to think more about his own childhood city. There are lots of uh, small vehicles around the city. The air pollution is massive because of the smoke, because of dust, you know, the, the various things. So to solve all these problems, gradually, city needs to think about underground metro system. So my argument is like, you okay, if we build elevated system or on surface, you know, even say, if we say, if we build elevated system, during construction, it will occupy two lanes, right? Two lanes of an already congested four lane artery road taken up for construction of an elevated route. So for these major roads, that's about 7 metres out of 14 metres, which would be blocked for an extended period. Two lanes will be gone, and after post-construction, the elevated pillars, viaduct system will occupy almost one lane of the road. You know, basically, we are taking space, uh, even if we are adding more space by elevated system, ultimately we are not gaining that, because it will ultimately reduce the capacity of the existing transport. Two steps forward, one step back. So if we go underground, and there is no need to uh, invade the existing space, right? And and also, you know, the, the beauty of the city, the heritage of the city can be preserved intact going underground system. Of course, there are lots of challenges going through underground system, but it is buildable. First, Beanod's proposed project would not be confined to the city itself. When we say Kathmandu, I'm talking about the Kathmandu Valley. You know, it's a very confusing word actually because within Kathmandu Valley, there are three major districts. One of them is Kathmandu. So like three districts in the valley are Kathmandu, uh, Lalitpur and Bhaktapur. Lalitpur is a city abutting the southern end of Kathmandu and they have been joined by urban sprawl. Bhaktapur is further away to the east, although still close. But Kathmandu... The city has grown so much, so in general, whole valley is regarded as Kathmandu. So it's better to say Kathmandu Valley. So in current situation, people anticipate that, you know, the population in valley in the valley is about four to five million. You know, there is no perfect uh, accurate data here. It's, it's a very poor data system there in Nepal. So we anticipate maybe in the peak time, population in the valley is about 5 million. And the valley itself is a bowl. 
Kathmandu Valley is uh, surrounded by hill. There are like four major peaks around the four corners, we can say. It's a bowl shape, of course, it's a valley. In the valley, it is almost tentatively flat. And Kathmandu Valley was a lake thousands of years ago. Listeners in the tunneling industry might feel that this sounds a bit similar to Mexico City. Yes, yeah, it was it, it, it was a lake. Because of this geological event, plate tectonics, the, the valley gradually tilted and the water drained out, right? So there are lots of, um, you know, belief that some, you know, God came and chopped down the hills and the water drained out. That sort of myth story also there. But as a, as a, as a scientific committee, we, we to understand because of plate tectonics activities, because, you know, the Himalayan region is very active. So the water drained out from southwest corner. So the water drained out and the region became very fertile, very habitable. A sheltered bowl of good farmland at some 1400 meters elevation. Because, you know, it yeah. was a lake, it's very, very fertile. And there is river and there is civilization. And that's how the Kathmandu evolved. And in terms of ground condition, because it was lake, the uh, soil in Kathmandu Valley is lake sedimentation. If we see the central core part of the city, you know, the rock is 500 meter below the surface. And as we move uh, gradually north, south, east, west, the the depth of of clay or sand gradually decreases and you can find rock at um, shallow depth. At the very core, rock is like four, five hundred meters below. And predominantly in within the valley, northern part is they call fluvial deposit. It's more like a, a river deposition, which bring more sand and gravel. But in the southern part, it's more lacustrian deposit. They said it's more lake deposition where predominantly clay. In general, the ground is clay. Much like London, but instead of London clay, Kathmandu has a less stiff variety. We have um, Kalimati. Kalimati is, you know, is, if I translate that in English, it's like a black soil. Kali is black and Mati is clay. So I would say maybe 60-70% of the valley is Kalimati. And and uh, northern part, the remaining part is pluvial deposit, sand gravel deposit. But if we go, you know, even in the northern part, after 30, 40 meters, the clay deposition comes. So predominantly, the study shows that predominantly the tunnels are passing through the Kalimati deposit. While in the northern part of the city, the tunnel will pass through sand and gravel deposits. Although still in the advocacy phase, BNOD has a proposed network alignment. Metro road planning is a very complex task. We need lots of, uh, you know, traffic studies. We need to study about, you know, the uh, various surface, subsurface features of the city. And there are lots of things to be considered. But in general term, I believe Metro in Kathmandu can be, in terms of route, can be developed, adopting the major road alignment or the river alignment. Basically, the major roads are passing through the major cities, core areas, I mean, major major hub of this area. So one way is to follow the road alignment. 
so uh, so that we take less space, less new space for development. So one alignment could be that, and the next alignment could be following the alignment of river. So again, the river, there are two major river passing through the city and they pass it through the core part of the city. So basically my whole route proposal is adopting in a very simplistic term, uh, road alignment and river alignment. It's not very accurate. In some area, you know, we, we cannot follow the road alignment because it has to take certain curves. We have to um, meet at certain point, but in general. And the initial plan is for an east-west route, followed by north-south. When I, uh, you know, talk about metro, I say that we need to connect metro to the major hubs of the valley. You know, we just not think about metro in the core part of the city. But there was some study done by government in 2012, and the study was fully focused in the core part of the city. So for core part of city where, you know, the land east-west, north-south land is barely like 10 kilometers. Thinking about the metro in this constrained way will not lead to success. The vision must be broader to solve the problems. And Beanod's proposal stretches far outside the city core. So metro need to go. The underground metro will be core path, but outside it will be elevated on surface and it goes east-west, north-south direction. You know, my, for example, my east-west metro is about 35 kilometer and it goes up to, say, about 20 kilometers outside the city core. That sort of thing is there so that we can connect the other hubs outside the valley that can bring more more, uh, connectivity. Connecting critical hubs to a Kathmandu business hub, which Binod describes as a Nepalese Canary Wharf, London's purpose-built business district, would be necessary if, that is, the masses of traffic that descend upon the city are to be reduced. In the longer term, Binod hopes that circular routes and additional spurs will be added to the network, making it a true Kathmandu Valley metro. My whole metro proposal in Kathmandu Valley is about 200 kilometer long. And I advocate we need to build this 200 kilometer in the next 20 years. And even to build um, this 36 kilometer where we have a 13 kilometer tunnel, Warwick study shows that we need at least five years to build this line. Just to build that 10 kilometer of underground, 12 kilometer of underground, we may need about three to five years. Warwick University helped Beanod with a study to give his proposal more technical weight. And we are still talking in terms of advocacy phase. We need to do, you know, if we agree to build it, we need to do detailed design. So there are lots of time for procurement. But for now, a north-south urban metro line that will hit gravels and sands in the north and an east-west line that will stay entirely in the black clay? The next step is TBM selection. Art pressure balance is, you know, it's um, in very simple term. Art pressure balance is more appropriate for clay-dominated environment. And the slurry seal tunnel is more appropriate for the other, other ground condition. So uh, there was a debate now, like, you know, north part is gravel sand dominated and south part is clay dominated and we have a route going north-south, what to do? 
So, um, uh, but east-west is completely the, the court line passing through east-west uh, and center. It predominantly goes through clay deposit. So there was no problem. Earth pressure balance, EPB worked perfectly. But for north-south, we have, you know, partly on sand environment and partly in clay environment. So, uh, and just like to drill 10, 12 kilometers of tunnels, we need one side EPB and the other side the slurry, right? <laughs> so what the study shows that, you know, we need to do some uh, modification, some ground treatment and some kind of slurry treatment or these things for the TBM. Then EPB would be able to manage that sand dominated northern part so that you no know, one TBM would be able to cope with uh, different ground conditions. Otherwise, we need to bring two TBM and it will be very expensive. As a developing nation, Nepal would need to look at purchasing an EPB machine and using ground treatment to deal with this less ideal northern region. Purchasing a second TBM would be a problem for the nation, which has a GDP of just $30 billion, although this has increased from $20 billion just five years ago. We have costed about 100 million US dollar per kilometer. This refers to the underground sections, not surface, which for the advocacy study comprise a five to six meter diameter segmentally lined twin tunnel with two diameters between centers. And I did also some um, cost literature review, like for example, lots of metro construction is happening in India, for example, like Delhi Metro, Mumbai Metro, the, the cost is around like that. In in some part of Mumbai Metro, the cost has like 120 million US dollar per kilometer. So um, the very approximate study made by Warwick, it comes around like, like that. So basically, I have like East-West Line Metro called Kathmandu Line, which is 36.5 kilometer long. Out of that, 13 kilometer is tunnel and the rest of them are elevated. So to build that line, 36.5 kilometer, the anticipated cost of construction is 2.5 billion US dollar. And the whole idea is, you know, for a small economic country like Nepal, it's a huge cost. So they need to build in a, in a uh, stage by stage. The advocacy phase will last a few more years to build confidence, largely due to a lack of local experience. Because of lack of expertise, people like to avoid underground. They believe that, look, ground condition is, they say the ground condition is not good. You know, um, it was lake, water table is very high. The seismic environment is there because Nepal is in a seismic belt. So in various things, underground is challenging. They believe like that. But being an expert in the ground side, I would say underground is safer than overground in that sort of environment you know for underground we can bring tvm machine to drill tunnel easily these days and in seismic in, in environment you know elevated system is more more prone to risk than underground because in as we go below the surface the the ground movement effect goes down it is a major investment but a vital one if Kathmandu is to prosper so the socio-economic benefit needs to be explained to the authorities. It is not sufficient for the idea to be technically feasible, so this is now what the advocacy is turning towards. 
I recently has set up a kind of, you know, a non-profit group called Greater Kathmandu Valley Metro Rail Promotion Group. Uh, with the help of few seniors, I have uh, established that. So this group, we got some senior uh, expert who has worked around the world to develop project. We have also environment expert. We have also technical advisors of the mayors of Kathmandu Valley. There are a few mayors, so we have also advisors of them. So we have built a team. So we are working now to bring out the other side from core engineering, for example, environment side, this finance side, economic side. So hopefully in next year, 2021, we'll be able to have more studies on that side. And the team is confident that if they succeed, if the metro is built, the socio-economics of the metro Kathmandu will be, will be, there will be dynamic change. There will be huge opportunities. People are not getting opportunity. People are isolated. You know, the wards, wards of the city are not connected. You know, people are, are restrained to sit at their location because they cannot commute. You know, they, like they need two, three hours to go from one place to other place. While if we bring metro, it will be in few minutes because Kathmandu Valley is not very big. You know, Kathmandu Valley is, you know, 20, 30 kilometers size. So these will bring lots of lots of opportunities. So uh, we we are we are trying gradually working so that we can demonstrate the viability of project. We can demonstrate how it can impact the society, some social terms, in economic terms. So, so these sort of things we are gradually focusing now. But what about a dream groundbreaking date? It's really difficult, you know, to say that because I started writing firmly in the National Tabloids presentation from 2012. So in the last eight years, we have been talking. So the biggest change I have found in the last eight years is people, to some extent, are convinced now. They understand that this is buildable, this is required for our city. So when in 2012, I went to talk about it, people don't believe it. You know, they, they can't perceive the idea. They can't digest the idea. Now that di- idea has been digested. So the other day I went to give a talk to Investment Board Nepal. So Investment Board Nepal is one uh, kind of, you know, semi-government organization working for this East-West line. And the CEO of the board said that they foresee the construction of this initial East-West line in the next seven or eight years. But of course, you know, that whether that will be implemented or not, I, you know, because I, in last one and a half years, I haven't seen anything done by them. It's very slow. But the biggest thing of last achievement of last eight years, I would say, is the mindset is changing. And lots of people has now more understanding and convinced that we are building. But it's a developing country. Uh, you know, there are lack of resources, lack of funding, uh, there are various things. There are lots of constraints. So things will go very slowly. But I, I believe, you know, and maybe in next five years, something will come out because government has also started doing pre-feasibility studies. studies and uh, last one and a half years, the Investment Board of Nepal uh, was trying to do a detailed feasibility study of East-West Line. So things are gradually coming. And I have been a catalyst to them to convince them, look, metro is just not about driving a rail, uh, driving a train from place A to B. 
It's an opportunity to, to regenerate city, reinvent the city. It's an opportunity to bring urban planning in city. And also Metro will help to integrated transport. We need to tr- integrate all the transport, you know, uh, for example, road, cycle, uh, whatever. All these transport to be integrated with Metro. And then Metro will be a grand success. As well as his family, Binod has received support in his goal from lots of different groups. Primarily, he needs technical support. And if you are willing and able to help, or would like more information on the project, his contact details are in the show notes. We definitely need lots of help from all around the world. We, we need lots of expertise on this, particularly tunneling is a brand new topic in Nepal, particularly urban tunneling. There is no experience of urban tunneling. There, are, there is some experience of rock tunneling. Predominantly hydropower. And until very recently, only in drill and blast. But there is no experience of uh, urban tunneling in the in non-rock environment. So, you know, people interested to contribute in Kathmandu Metro development, they can contact me. I can direct them to the right channel. We need experts. Uh, particularly to convince the government level people we need to demonstrate our economic viability, financial models. And there are so many non-technical, non-tunneling aspects associated with this um, tunneling underground metro. <laughs> so, yeah, there, you know, there are lots of, like, I would say 10, 15 disciplines for metro development. Nepal in need of some support for capacity enhancement like maybe British Tunneling Society can contribute to Nepal by enhancing the capacity of Nepalese engineers in tunneling side, because there are no, there are no tunnel engineers in Nepal who has expertise in this urban side. And as a result, whenever we talk about tunneling, even with the engineering community, it's, it's, it's difficult because there is no experience, right? So. We are trying to work with Warwick University in collaboration with Nepalese University to enhance the capacity building. So that sort of effort is going on. So any organization or any any group that could help in that uh, underground development capacity of Nepalese engineers, that would be very, very useful. And maybe sometime in the future, the dream of a Kathmandu Valley Metro will be realized. The Tunneling Podcast is a production of Reby Media. Our producers are Alex Conacher, John Young, Bernadette Ballantyne, Rian Owen, Ross McPherson, and Tim Sheehan. This episode was written and hosted by me, Alex Conacher. My co-host was Rian Owen. Script editing by John Young. Sound engineering by Ross McPherson. And our own spiritual leader is Rory Harris. The Tunneling Podcast is made in partnership with the British Tunneling Society. Thank you for listening. You can find us on all podcast apps and on our website, tunneling.reby.media.